Welcome back to At The Buzzer. I'm your host, Dean McComb, joined alongside my co-hosts, Andrew Lovelutter, Campbell Klein, and Tyler Fertel. And it's been a quarter uh, through the NBA season, and each quarter of the season, we're going to be doing an NBA recap of what's go- uh, what's been going on. So we're just going to be covering some headlines. You guys have put some questions in the chat that we're going to discuss. So the first question was submitted by Tyler. Uh, is Julius Randle an all-star? So we're going to go to our only Knicks fan on the podcast, Andrew, right here, to make his argument or his case uh, to say whether uh, whether whether or not Julius Randle's an all-star. I think I know what he's going to say, but Andrew, it's all yours. Um, I mean, of course, how could I not think that Julius Randle's an all-star? Um, I think that there's actually, there's a ton of talented forwards, um, front court members in the East court between Durant and Embiid, Sabonis, and then guys who, you know, maybe aren't having the greatest season, but are still very good. Like, uh, you know, like, uh, Jason Tatum or if Jalen Brown gets classified, um, um as a small, got a pretty big one, maybe Giannis. You did forget him. Yeah, Giannis. Okay, so my also Gordon Hayward's having a career year as well. Um, so there's there's a ton of guys that Julius Randle's competing with, but I think what gives Randle the edge is that the Knicks are actually in the play-in race. And if you look at their roster, you can make a very good argument. I'm a Knicks fan, and I can make a very good argument that that is the worst roster in the NBA. Maybe, but I was gonna say. Yeah, that's that's probably the worst roster in the NBA, to be completely honest with you. Um, but Julius Randle now is actually playing very good and not making it the worst roster in the NBA. So I think that because they're around that like eighth, ninth seed, they can give it to Randle. And I found this interesting stat today that Julius Randle is the only player in the NBA that's averaging at least 20 points, 10 boards, and six assists while making at least one three a game and averaging under four turnovers a game. So there's guys that are averaging, you know, 20, 10, and six like Giannis and other guys, but they turn the ball over a lot in their high high usage situations. But Julius Randle is actually um, doing a good job of limiting the turnover, something that he could not do last year. And one thing that I think has also contributed to Julius Randle's all-star caliber season is he's totally taken out the spin move from his repertoire, from his repertoire, sorry. Um, and that's just changed his game completely. I mean, he averaged about three and a half spin move turnovers last year, but now he's got that down to like 0.1. He rarely ever does spin moves, um, which is uh, definitely very effective. And you know, he's kind of the engine of the Knicks offense. You know, he can actually shoot threes now. He's shooting like, uh, I think, high 30s, uh, high 30s percent for threes. He's pretty efficient. Um, you know, he's dropped a few triple doubles. Uh, so, yeah, I think I think uh, Julius Randle definitely deserves to be an all-star. Um, if Magic Johnson says he deserves to be an all-star, then he deserves to be an all-star. All right, Andrew. Uh, I'm going to disagree with you right here. And the only reason why I, I agree with you, Julius Randle's having a career year for him. But the only reason why I'm going to say he's not an all-star, I think he is going to be he's going to be one of those players who just gets left out. But do you think like some of these players, because he's obviously not going to be an all-star starter, because in my opinion, I think in the East at least. Uh, so for the front court players, I think it's going to be Joel Embiid, Kevin Durant, and Giannis. And do you think he'll be an all-star over players like Sabonis, Vucevic, who's having an amazing season? Um, who else? Jason Tatum, Bam. people like that. Bam, Bam, people like that. So I know, I know the Knicks are in the race. I think for the that plan. some of those guys might be better, better, maybe more talented players. Probably they're definitely more well-known and liked within the media. But in terms of standing-wise. The Magic and the Heat, as I'm seeing right now, are 12 and 13 seed. And I promise you, they do take into account your team. Because if they didn't care about team success, then Bradley Beal and Zach Levine would have both been all-stars last year. And they weren't because their teams were bottom five in the league. Right now, the Knicks are the ninth seed behind Charlotte, which maybe maybe gives Gordon Hayward the edge. But the Heat don't look too good. Um, Orlando is not the greatest team either. So I'm not sure. I I know that they... uh, uh, they take into account the team's record, but that's not all of it. You, you understand that, right? Because that is true. But I'm just saying, Julius Randle's numbers are pretty unique in its own right, and I don't think that Bam's numbers or Vucevic's numbers are that more impressive, or even even closer. I mean, I don't know their numbers exactly, but I think that Julius Randle is one of the most impressive stat 
complete stat lines in the NBA. And if the fact that the Knicks are a higher seed in those teams, I don't know how they wouldn't give it to Randall over those guys. Although I think uh, one reason why he might not get it um, is just because those players are more well-known in the media. Like those players have been all-stars before. Like they're more well-known to do good things. Whereas Julius Randall has never been known to be an all-star in his career, which is, I think might actually fault him because outside of the starters, the fans, the fans only vote on the starters. The media votes on all the rest of the reserves. So I'm not sure how well like Julius Randle is in the media compared to some of those other guys, those former all-stars that you mentioned. Um, so I think that uh, also is going to play a big part into whether he uh, get the selection this year. Um, do you take him over a player like, uh, let's say, Chris Middleton, for example, or a Tobias Harris? Or maybe an Andre Drummond, or like you said, a Gordon Hayward or a Pascal Siakam. Like, do you think he's better than all those players? Because if okay, he is, Pascal then, Siakam I mean, is having the worst season of his I career. Um, I, I know he's one, having a terrible season. He's not having like, a good season. He's not going to be an All Star. There's no chance. Gordon Hayward is having a career year, but then again, Bradley Beal was averaging over 30 last year, and his team wasn't good. But I'm pretty sure the Hornets are actually in the play-in race or playoff race. So I actually think Gordon Hayward has a good chance. I'm not sure what Middleton's stat line is. Because Middleton Middleton is playing pretty well. I'm because pretty he's sure. been a back-to-back all-star, I can definitely see him being a reserve, but I think he may also count as a guard as well. Because for the reserves, they have to they have to balance out guards and forwards. So I think I think he's a small forward. Yeah, he's listed as a small forward and Jalen Brown shooting guard. Yeah, Jalen Brown will definitely make it. Um I mean Andre Andre Drummond's having a good season, but I mean the Cavs what are they like eighth seed something? There's the, I don't know. There, there's a lot of there's a lot of guys. There, there's definitely a lot of guys. But this you know, another one interesting is Tobias Harris. I, I, I don't think Tobias Harris, before, but he's having a good year too. He is having a good year, but um, it, it, it's when when there's so many guys, so many uh really good players on every team, it's really hard to have multiple all stars from the same team. Um, especially when you have uh like a Joel Embiid on your team. Yeah, yeah, I just looked actually, at his stats. His stats are not nearly as good as Randall. And like you said, that he has an Embiid and a Ben Simmons on his team, so it's a lot tougher for him. But yeah, uh, you're probably right about that one. Yeah, and also saying one more thing, uh, I don't know if you want to talk Campbell after this, but uh, for Julius Randall, I'm going to give him a little credit. Uh, I think that Andre Drummond, I think that he's a he's a he's a very above average starting center in the NBA. I don't think he's an All Star, so I'm going to give Julius Randall credit. I would definitely vote him to be in the All-Star game over Andre Drummond, like Tyler mentioned uh, him a bit. But uh, Campbell, do you have anything to say about Julius Randle? One quick thing, though, about your Chris... One quick thing about your Chris Middleton point. Randle, while he's slightly less efficient, he's averaging more points, rebounds, and assists, so I'm not sure why they would give it to Middleton over him. Defense? Julius Randle's playing defense this year. Not really. Campbell, do you have anything to say about this? Uh, I don't have much to say. Uh... I think I think Randall's deserving of being a reserve. I just don't know if he's going to get the votes because like when I'm when the Lakers aren't playing and I go to like my league pass, I'm not like, "Oh, let's go watch Julius Randall and the Knicks." I'm like, "Oh, let's go watch LaMelo Ball and the Hornets." And then I see Gordon Hayward like you said or someone like that. But uh also some of those players who started the season really well, their teams are uh hitting some rough patches. The Magic haven't won uh many games in the past week or two so that could be an issue for uh Vucevic or someone like that but uh I think Randall's deserving of it I just don't know if he'll get the nod all right so now that we're done talking about Julius Randall and whether he's making the all-star team we're gonna go to a few uh trade candidates so there have been a bunch of rumors in the past few weeks especially on one of these players that I'm gonna get to first we're gonna first be talking about Bradley Beal and whether he you guys think he might be traded where to and for what? And then we're going to go to Lonzo Ball, who's recently been in a few trade rumors. So, Campbell, uh, what do you have to say about Bradley Beal and all these rumors surrounding him? Uh, yeah, quick question. So there was this stat earlier in the year. I'm sure you guys saw it on Instagram. It was Bradley Beal has lost like a record 10 straight games where he scored how many points or more? Can you kind of one of you tell me? 40 or 40, more. yeah. Like that's ridiculous when you think about it. I saw this stat after uh, – I forget who the game was against, but he's playing really well this year, leading the league in scoring, and his team just isn't getting wins. And it's not like he's being super selfish with the ball or anything. Like He's putting up good shots, and he's not the most efficient player in the whole league, but he's doing enough for his team. And 
he's putting up 35 a night and the Wizards just still can't win. And tonight we saw them squeak out a victory against the Nets in a pretty crazy game. If you didn't watch that, definitely go watch the last minute or two of that game. But uh, now to Bradley Beal and whether or not he'll get traded, I'm sort of hoping he does. I don't really have anywhere in mind. I haven't really put much thought to it, but I think it would be really fun to see him on a contender. I don't know how exactly he would fit in with uh, a real contender with other stars. I don't know if he could really take like the spot of a role player, if you will. But uh, that would be really interesting to see just how he sort of fits in with other stars. Not that Russell Westbrook isn't a star, but I don't think they're uh, championship bound or anything. So that's what I that's what I have to say. Um. Yeah, like you kind of said, I would like to see Bradley Beal traded. I'm not sure if he's going to. He hasn't. Obviously, on the bench, he's been, when they're losing, he's put up, what, 30, 40 points a game, and he's super pissed off. I mean, who wouldn't be when you're carrying your team and you're scoring 40 points and you still lose by 20? I mean, that must be so frustrating. But he hasn't came out and said, like, oh, I want to be traded. And you know what? They did beat the Nets. Uh uh, uh, in a recent game. So, um, yeah, even though they didn't have James Harden, it was still a good win for them. I mean, a close win, a much needed win. If Russell Westbrook can still, uh, if he, he's, if he still got it, if he can shoot the ball well and can put up 20, 30 a night, that could be really important. But for a good trade, uh, destination for him, I think there's not a better place for Bradley to be able to go. As I think a lot of you, uh, listeners probably would agree is his the best place he could go is the Miami Heat. I don't even think there's a conversation about this. He fits perfectly there. I think he would make them an immediate contender, a team. I mean, obviously they're a contender, but I think a team that could uh, compete with the Nets have that third superstar. Um, And if they could, I don't know what a good, I don't know what teams uh, will be giving them for this, uh, for Bradley Beal in a trade uh, talk, but in my head, maybe, I don't know if they'll even give him up, but like Tyler Hero, maybe. Kendrick Nunn, I don't even I don't know if they're even gonna trade Tyler here, but and then maybe a couple picks. I mean, I don't know if they'll do that. I don't know if the Wizards would do that. I don't know if the Heat would do that. But if they can get a um deal done, I think that a big three of Bradley Beal, Jimmy Butler, and Bam out of bio would be a great team. Cause you know what? They have great defense. They just they're not they're not the greatest shooting team in the world, and they could use a little bit extra scoring. So, I mean, yes, Andrew, they have Duncan Robinson. We all know that. But other than that, they're not the greatest team uh, with shooting the ball. So that would be a much-needed boost for them. Bradley Beal would go to contender, but I'm just not convinced that he's going to get traded right now. But uh, the, a comparison that I saw to the NFL that was really interesting to me recently was that um, – Bradley Beal is the Deshaun Watson of the NBA, and I have not heard something more truthful than that uh, recently. And so, I mean, it makes sense. They don't really get him help. He he carries his team, and uh, they can't get much done in the playoffs or in the regular season because uh, he doesn't have much help other than that. But, I mean, they got Russell Westbrook for him. If Russell Westbrook can st- uh, can um, can start playing better, can take that number two role on that team. He's been hurt. Obviously, he's the clear number two on that team, but he's not playing like it right now. He did put up 40 against the Nets. If he can consistently put up 20 or 30, I'm convinced that this team can get to the seven or eight seed in the Eastern Conference. So we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, uh, at This podcast is a one-fourth uh, season podcast. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of basketball left to play. Yeah, so going back to the Bradley Beal trade rumors, since that was the original topic. Um, I think that uh, Bradley Beal, I think that sooner or later, if the Wizards continue to play like this, I know they just had a big win versus the Nets, but if they continue to play like how they were before, which I'm sure will happen, I think that eventually he'll have to request a trade because you can't be putting up 40 and your team still losing by 15 points. And going to the destination, the trade destination, and this is if he requests a trade, I think that, like Tyler said, the Miami Heat would be a great destination, probably the best for him. But the thing is, I, I highly doubt that the Miami Heat could pull a trade off like that for Bradley Beal as they were in trade talks with the Rockets when James Harden was on the trading block and they did not want to give up Tyler Hero. So I don't think they would want to give or Duncan, yeah, Andrew, or Duncan. So I don't think they would cave in for someone like Bradley Beal who I don't think is as good as James Harden. I think we could all agree on that. So one place I think that would definitely work, I know this isn't as an appealing destination for someone like Bradley Beal, but the Denver Nuggets who actually have assets to trade for Bradley Beal, you can give a Michael Porter Jr. centered trade because 
he's up and coming. He's a really good player and he has a lot of scoring potential. And maybe a package like Michael Porter Jr., who's on his rookie deal, obviously. So you're going to have to throw in like Bull Bull, obviously, Bull Bull, and Gary Harris to make the contracts work in picks. I think that would be a really good trade for the Nuggets because obviously Jamal Murray, you don't have to throw Jamal Murray or Jokic in, obviously. You you have Jamal Murray, Bradley Beal, Will Barton, potentially Paul Millsap and Jokic. I mean, that's a great starting five that can compete for a championship immediately. So I think that's probably the most realistic uh, trade destination for Bradley Beal. I know the Miami Heat, Miami's super appealing to anyone who wants to get traded, but I don't think that they can work a trade out like that. So Andrew, what do you have to say? Um, well, one thing I want to mention is that a Bradley Beal trade is going to be very hard because the Wizards asking price is going to be really high. And also Bradley Beal is already like, he he said that he's frustrated, but he's said in the past that he wants to try to win and like make the playoffs and like try to win a championship in Washington. Although I think he'll be on a different team by the start of next season. I think if he gets traded, it'd be in the off season. I think, you know, Russell Westbrook, now that he's healthy hat, he can, he can definitely pick up the slack a little bit um, and play better himself. And I think that, he might ride out this year as just kind of a win now year um, as they traded for Russell Westbrook, see what him and Westbrook can do. Um, they've dug themselves a big hole. They've lost 75% of their games, even though they won today, they're still four and 12. So um, they've dug themselves a big hole one fourth into the season. It's going to take a lot. I think that it's definitely, definitely uh, possible that they get that play in game and, you know, Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook both have playoff experience, especially Russell Westbrook. He has a lot of playoff experience. So maybe if they end up playing a young team like Charlotte or a young team like the Knicks or the Bulls who have no playoff experience, really, they could probably win a play-in game um, in that scenario. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure if they'll be a top eight team based on how they're playing right now, because it's really hard, especially in this COVID season with the scheduling, you know, playing teams multiple times, playing the same team two times in a row. It's really hard to go on huge game win streaks. Um, you know, the Jazz were just on, uh, I think, a 10 or 11 game win streak. It just got snapped recently, which is pretty incredible. Um, but yeah, I think I think that Bradley Beal will ride it out this year, and then I think he'll get traded in the offseason. Um the asking price is high, but one thing I'd like to say about Bradley Beal is he he went from being extremely underrated earlier, and now I think he might be slightly overrated because everyone's kind of overreacting about it, like, oh, he's dropping 35 points, but he's a terrible defender, and there were countless plays today um, where he messed up defensively, and he was even mad at himself. Like, he was taking full responsibility. A couple bad closeouts. Um, he, like... Someone he he someone uh, drove right by him on a um from the corner and he was right in front of him and he just kind of uh, he just kind of slapped him like a little foul that's just like a cheap and one call just giving the other team free uh, free points. Um, so I think that like the Bradley Beal hype, like people describing him as like a top ten NBA player, I don't think he's anywhere near that. But I definitely think he's a top twenty guy. I definitely think he could be number two on a championship team in terms of teams. I would like to see him go to. Um, Obviously, I'm a Knicks fan, but I think they'd have to mortgage the entire future. So um, I don't think that's really possible because um, I think it would take more than picks. I'd love to see him on the Sixers. Um, I mean, I don't know if the Sixers would do Ben Simmons for Bradley Beal or maybe like Maxi and Tobias Harris and picks or something. I think uh, Beal and Embiid just offensively is ridiculous. Um I agree with your uh, prediction, Dean, uh, or just like possibility uh, of a trade with Michael Porter Jr. Because he is actually having a really good season and showing that he could be a franchise cornerstone for the Wizards to build off of. Although they recently drafted Danny Advia and Rui Hachimura in the Wizards case, they just want the best player available. Um, there, there's not, I mean, teams like the Mavericks come up, but it's like the Mavericks don't have anything to trade if they're not trading uh you know, Luka Doncic or Porzingis, you know, they already, they don't have their first round pick this year or in 2023 um, because of the Chris House Porzingis trade. And they don't really have any other young players or assets. Um, so it, it's definitely going to be tough because the asking price is going to be super high. Um, and, you know, I'm not just sure how many teams are willing to mortgage the future um, for a guy like Bradley Beal, unless they're already a contender. Cause if you're not a contender and you're mortgaging the future, like, there's so many contenders, especially now with the Nets' big three. Um, 
you know, that just formed in the East. So yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. I think that this off season is going to be super interesting because not only Bradley Beal, but there's other guys that might be in their last season with their team. So I'm definitely excited to see how it plays out. Um, I want to add one thing to what Dean was saying before, uh, Andrew, I, I definitely agree with a lot of what you said, but, um, the thing about the Michael Porter Jr. trade package, uh, with the Nuggets trade for Bradley Beal is that in the past two drafts in the first round, the Washington Wizards have taken Denny Avia and, uh, Rui Hachimura, who are both classified as power forwards, I think. And, uh, Michael Porter Jr. is also classified as a power forward. So just, I, 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 I mean, if the Nuggets, if the Nuggets can pull off that trade, they're immediate contender uh, to make the finals. Um, because I mean, they can definitely compete with the Lakers if they get that third good player, that uh, third uh, to that Bradley Beal to go alongside um, Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic. I just don't, I, I don't know, I don't know if the Wizards would just do that because having three young power forwards on your team, that's just. I mean, they they're they're kind of becoming a young. They would be kind of becoming a young Pistons in a way. Uh, having Jeremy Grant, Blake Griffin, Mason Plumley. I mean, like- I understand that Tyler, but I think that's a slight overreaction because uh, Denny Avia can play small forward. Rui can play yeah. small. You can play two oh, of those guys. Team. I know. Yeah. I, you can I play know. two Tyler, of those guys Tyler, on the floor at the same know, time. I'm, and if you're the Wizards, saying, you just need talent. It's not yeah, about. I know. Fit. I know. Like, but what you just I'm need saying the best is that if they available. can get, if they can get a player like Tyler Hero from another team, which is a position that they would be in need if they traded Bradley Beal, I think they would maybe. Obviously, I, I obviously I really like Michael Porter Jr. I have him on my fantasy team, first of all, and he was my uh, he was my most improved player of the year pick uh, going into the season. I I think that he's he's playing really well so far this season, and I only think he's going to get better. But if I'm the Wizards and I'm trying to trade Bradley Beal, I might want to get a player back that will fit straight into the starting lineup where we need him. Maybe that definitely makes sense, Tyler. But also, there's you can also draft guys with draft picks. You get and there's only so many good young small shooting guards that are out there. If you're the Wizards and a guy wants out and you don't want to make him unhappy and just have him sit out, at that point, you just you take the best offer, and the best offer might not be a shooting guard replacement, and that's fine because ultimately you're most likely going to get a good number of first-round picks, and you can use one of those first-round picks on a shooting guard. I know. There's, like there's some they, really good guards in this draft class. If, if they're a lottery team this year, they have a chance to get a, a good guard. I mean, obviously, they probably – I mean, you have to kind – like, Michael Porter Jr.'s potential is – like very high. I mean, he can, he can, he, he could pe- become one of the best power forwards or sm- I small forward power forwards small in forward. the league small and forward. small forward in the next one to two, three years. So, I mean, yeah, I, I'm, it would make sense if they really, really, really liked him. But I mean, if you have Rihachimura, Danny Avia and Michael Porter Jr. on your team and you can only play start two out of the three of them, I mean, for me, at least, that's kind of a risky move rather than maybe going after Tyler Hero and Kendrick Nunn, two players that could slot in your lineup maybe even this year. Well, Tyler, I'm sure that the Wizards would try to go after Tyler Hero and Kendrick Nunn, all those guys. But like I mentioned earlier when I said why the Heat might not do that, it's because when James Harden was offered to the Miami Heat, they clearly said they're not trading Tyler Hero. Which makes me there was a, there was even a report they weren't even willing to give up Duncan Robinson. Exactly, which okay. makes me which makes me lead to believe that for Bradley Beal, who's worse than James Harden, they wouldn't even give up Tyler Hero or Duncan Robinson. You, you know what I mean? So uh, okay, what, if we're talking about this, and we're talking about young players that could be good in the near future, do we know that the Nuggets are willing to give up Michael Porter Jr. Because well, I, I'm not sure they would even be willing to give him up in a Bradley Beal trade because well, that's how good no he one's potentially. Tra- be. I know, but no one's trying to trade for him, and if it's because the Nuggets obviously came up super short versus the Lakers in the Western. Like, it wasn't really that much of a competition. There are a few close games, but the Lakers were obviously the better team in that But series. also, Tyler has a good point because Jamal Murray's like 23. Jokic is like mid-20s. They could be Michael Porter Jr. is young. I mean, like, it's right. like the, the Lakers with LeBron are only going to be contenders for a few more years. You know, Anthony Davis will need someone else if eventually. They, they Kawhi, and PG only, Kawhi and PG only have a few more years of real contention left. So it's really like the Mavs and the Nuggets are the young and upcoming teams in the yeah, West. If they, so if they, how old Blazers aren't going to be around for that much longer. So I think that the Nuggets... I, I think he's, uh, I think he's 20, like 27, 28, something but like, like that. If, if they want to become like in a couple years when but maybe Michael Porter Jr. is like 22. I mean, 
having him and yeah. Murray, who's 23, yeah. and then Jokic is young, they could they could be the best team in the West in like three years. So I, yeah, you- okay, but that that's also assuming that the Lakers aren't gonna get another player to like if LeBron gets older. Tyler, I know you're thinking that you're assuming the Lakers replace. get someone, but they went eight years without getting anyone. So you can't yeah, just okay, assume that the Lakers. If we will win, get if if the Lakers win championships and we have Anthony Davis on our roster, then maybe a Bradley Beal wants to come here. And that play. is true, but I think a lot of people would join a uh, Lakers <laughs> team that actually consists of LeBron James, because um, I think yeah. he's the main reason why they're winning those championships. But it'll be interesting to see. But if LeBron ends up retiring in, I don't know what. Four I don't. Or five I don't years? think LeBron will retire. Then I think he'll play a little longer. But I'm the no, sure yeah, yeah. he'll be with the if, Lakers. If LeBron retires in what, what four, five, six years, and the Lakers still have Anthony Davis under contract. We we could definitely go after another star player because I mean, it, Los Angeles Los Angeles is a very very attractive place to play. So it is. You know yeah, what the Nuggets true. the Nuggets could end up wanting to be not trying uh make this trade to become like a potential number one seed in the Western Conference in three four years with a big three of Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr. and uh, Nikola Jokic. But if they do really like Bradley Beal, I could see what I do it, but. I'm not sure they're willing to give up Michael Porter Jr. in that deal. Yeah, I agree. Now, now, just thinking about this hypothetically, the fact that their their young big three of Murray, Porter Jr., and Jokic is so young, they they could pretty much run the West in five years. So, right. But we were thinking like they have the best future out of they have the best future out of any team in the West, and it's not like they're going to be getting big free agents, so they might as well just hang on to the players that they have. Right, but I was just talking about a potential trade destination, and I felt like that one would make the most sense because obviously the Heat are not giving up Hero, which is why I was like, Michael Porter Jr. has never been involved in anything, which is why I threw that in. But anyways... I can I add one more thing thing really, really quick? Uh, It's talking about Andrew's trade destination, uh, the Philadelphia 76ers. I could see him going there. I just don't think they have as good of a trade package as other teams do because, I mean, they. I don't think they're giving up Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid, obviously, but... uh, I mean, Tyrese Maxey, Matias Thibel, uh, a couple picks. I don't. Tobias Harris. So, Tobias Harris. I mean, Tobias they, Harris. They wouldn't do that. I mean, I don't think they would even do that. So, I mean, they I mean, it's probably not the best offer, but just, it's just just a thought. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if they have the best to offer. I mean, if the Wizards okay. really value Bradley Beal's opinions, they might ask him where he wants to go and just trade him to that team. So who knows? Maybe he yeah. wants to go to the Sixers. Yeah, I heard, I'm not sure. Yeah, I, heard they, I heard they promised to not trade him to a team that he doesn't want to go to when he signed a contract extension. So, yeah, we'll see. All right, so now that we've talked about Bradley Beal for the past 10 minutes, we're going to move on to someone that I mentioned earlier, 10 minutes ago, that we were going to discuss, and that's Lonzo Ball, because he's been in a lot of trade rumors recently. So, Campbell, we haven't heard from you in a bit. So, uh, what do you think about Lonzo Ball? Where do you think, if he gets, uh, if you think he's going to get traded, where where will he go? Where would be a good spot for him to go? Uh, yeah, so first, just not even talk about, or actually, this is sort of talking about the trade, but... uh. I don't know. I don't think I was talking with you, Dean, earlier about this, and I agree with you. I don't know if he's going to get traded because if anyone were to trade for him, it would be a contender. And uh, there aren't that many contenders in the league that are like looking for playmakers to handle the ball. Like Lonzo Ball can't shoot to save his life. There aren't many teams that are like, oh, let me get a player who can barely shoot. Like, I know. That there's just not many contenders looking for that. Like most contenders need shooters and defenders, three and D players. That's not really Lonzo Ball. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think he should get traded. So I'm not even gonna entertain any like possible teams. I, I don't think he should be traded. Um, I'll just, I'll add something about the Lonzo trade. I think that, you know, depending on how much, uh the Pelicans want in return for Lonzo, that'll determine whether he's traded. Like if, if they're asking for the value of a number two overall pick, they're probably not going to, they're probably not going to get that um, really like at all. Um, So it'll be interesting. As you said, Campbell, he can't shoot. He, well, I mean, I mean, he shows flashes that he, he's super inconsistent. He's just inefficient, inconsistent. Every synonym of those two words describes Lonzo Ball's shooting performances or shooting abilities, actually. Um, but yeah, um, nowadays in the NBA, like if you're a point, like it's really hard to be a good guard in this league if you cannot space the floor and shoot. Um, it's really tough. Um, he's a great playmaker and a great defender. And, you know, I never, I don't know. I never thought I'd be saying this about Lonzo Ball, but he might end up just being, you know, a three and D guy that's a defensive specialist and has some 
playmaking abilities. Um, but yeah, I, I just don't know like how much they can get for Lonzo Ball just because he has shown potential. He's shown flashes, but I it, it's really tough to say that they'd get like a first round pick for Lonzo. Like maybe some teams that are you know late first round picks, but they're definitely not getting a lottery pick for him. Um, so yeah, it'll be it'll be it'll be interesting uh, to see if he gets traded. Yeah, um, I was talking to Campbell earlier about this as he briefly mentioned. I don't think Lonzo is going to get traded uh, to a contender, especially because I think that's where he could be used, especially on a team like the Clippers, who have been in some trade talks. I know not a lot because they don't really have that ball handling point guard that they really need because their point guard rotation is literally Patrick Beverly, who is very limited on the offensive end of the ball, and Reggie Jackson, who he can go up for 25, but he can also shoot 0 for 10. So you never know. So they have a bunch of inconsistencies at the point guard position, which is why I think they could use someone like Lonzo, who provides a lot of playmaking, throwing a lot of lobs to Zubach off the bench, and passing a lot to Kawhi and PG in the corner or something like that. And he plays really good defense too. He's an underrated defender, something he's improved a lot since coming into the league. But I think that it'll be very hard for a contender to trade for someone like Lonzo because his price is so iffy. Because like you mentioned, Andrew, he's super inconsistent. I mean, per- personally, I like him as a player. I mean, I drafted him in, um, in a fantasy league. He, dropped, he, he, he hit seven threes, I think, two games ago. So he's super inconsistent. Sometimes he'll shoot 0 for 9, but that's not the point. I think that his trade values, like I said, a, a bit weird because you don't really know what you're going to get for someone like Lonzo Ball. So I think it'll be hard for a team like the Clippers, especially when they're a team that has literally no first round picks and say threw them all away to get Paul George. I don't want to say throw them all away because Paul George is a good, uh, great player, but um, yeah. So I think the Clippers would be a realistic fit. I just don't know if they could get a trade done like that. So that's all I have to say. I don't, I don't see him uh, getting traded. I could see the Pelicans not matching his offer in the off season since he's, he'll be a restricted free agent. I, I can see that happening, but I don't see him getting traded. Uh, because it's basically a half a year rental if, unless the team wants to resign him as their point guard for the future. So that's my take on that. Um, kind of adding to what you're saying. Uh, yeah, obviously he's not the greatest three point shooter that we've ever seen. I mean, uh, he did go off for 27 points in their previous game, but, uh, he was a good, he wasn't a bad three point shooter last year. Um, he wasn't terrible, but he's gone down this year. So that can definitely be a problem, but we got to remember he's only 23 years old. I mean, the Lakers traded him for Anthony Davis, which obviously worked out for us. But uh, he, I mean, he only played, what, one year, two years, one year on the Lakers, and then he's been on the Pelicans for one year. So, I mean, if the if the Clippers want to take a chance on him and maybe offer Reggie Jackson and, like, a second-round pick or something, I don't know, um, <laughs> and maybe just take a chance on him, I mean, I could see that happening. But, I mean, I think it would make sense for – him to get traded to a contender. I don't know if he will, because like you guys said, his value is not really known. I mean, what are the, what, what are the Pelicans? Do, what do they want for him? I mean, do they want like a second round pick and a veteran or like straight up for a first round pick? Like it's, it's really not known. So, I mean, uh, yeah, I could definitely see him getting, uh, he, I don't, I don't, I mean, the Pelicans didn't off, uh, didn't want to extend him this off season, which makes me think that they're going to let him go in the off season. But another two names I would like, uh, another two point guard names or three names now, uh, I'd like to, uh, kind of offer to you guys who, uh, these about, uh, if any of these are going to, any of these players are going to get traded, um, Derek Rose and then Devonte Graham and, uh, Terry Rozier from the Hornets. Uh, do you think that any of them are going to get traded? I think D Rose could potentially go to the Clippers and, I think uh, Andrew said that Michael Jordan really likes uh, Terry Rozier, so he's probably not going to get traded. But, I mean, if, if they want to keep Terry Rozier and LaMelo Ball, two young uh, point guard and shooting guard playmakers, I don't think it would make any sense for them to keep uh, Devontae Graham too because I think Devontae Graham could definitely be a starting point guard or shooting guard on a good NBA team. So what do you guys think about those three players? So uh, as all of you guys know, I'm not sure if too many of our viewers know, I'm a big Devontae Graham fan. If I didn't go, if I wasn't speaking first on this, I'd grab my Devontae Graham jersey from my closet. But um, I think that it's sad to say because Devontae Graham had such a good season last year. He broke out and literally nobody expected uh, him to break out. I think that out of him and Terry Rozier, I think he's the most likely to get traded because Terry Rozier is having a great season. 
in Devontae Graham. I mean, he's not getting the same production. He's being more inefficient, and he's unreliable on the defensive end. So are LaMelo and Terry Rozier. But I think that Michael Jordan really liking Terry Rozier, it's unlikely that uh, he trades him, especially after coming out by saying that. And LaMelo's obviously not getting traded. So I think Devontae Graham... I think they roll out with it through the season. I believe Devontae Graham's uh, unrestricted because he was a second-round pick. Uh, so I think he's due for a new contract. I don't think that the Hornets will bring him back. Now going to D. Rose, I think the Clippers could go out for him. Uh, I think that they would have to give more than Reggie Jackson in a second-round pick uh, because Reggie Jackson literally was on the Detroit Pistons. This isn't, this isn't why they wouldn't do it, but D Reggie Jackson was on the Pistons before he was on the Clippers, I believe. And he's... I mean, you're not winning that trade if you're Detroit, if you're getting a second-round pick for Derrick Rose. And who was the other point guard, Tyler, you said? It was Derrick Rose, Terry Rozier, and Devontae Graham. Okay, so, yeah, that's my that's what I have to say about those three guys. Campbell? Uh, yeah, I don't really have anything to say, so you can skip me. Um, I'll just add one quick thing. Uh. Yeah, Terry Rozier. I'm pretty. Uh, I'm almost positive that uh, he's a Jordan brand athlete, um, and that uh, Michael Jordan. The reason why he overpaid for Terry Rozier because he's on a nice. He's on a nice wealthy contract. Um, the reason why he got that contract because MJ liked him. Jordan brand athlete. Um, MJ makes a lot of moves uh, that that are with similar similar uh, advantages advantages like that. But yeah, obviously Lamelo's not getting traded. Rozier's not probably not getting traded he's having a career year so Devontae graham having a down year he's the odd man out they probably don't pay him a huge contract so unless he's going to come back for cheap like i don't at this point i don't really know why lamella ball isn't starting like if you want him to be the face of the franchise like the future star player you should be playing him like 30 minutes a night at least um i may i mean maybe even you could i mean like why not just start all three like uh I mean, like Lamelo Ball has shown so many uh, flashes that he could be the face of a franchise, but he's averaging like 25 minutes a night, which is not enough for the number three overall pick. Um, for D Rose, I mean, like Clippers don't have any assets at all. Um, no young players. Why hey, would they the have Terrence Mann? Forgetting okay. about Terrence Mann. Um, I'm not, I don't think they'd want Reggie Jackson back because they already traded Reggie Jackson to the Clippers. So that's probably off the table. I mean, unless the Clippers throw like three second round picks and like Terrence Mann, like, I mean, I, I saw a rumor that uh, the Knicks could be um, uh, in a trade deal with Derrick Rose, you know, Derrick Rose, Tom okay, Thibodeau, they have a connection. Okay, before you go farther with this, I don't know why I keep saying this on our group chat. I don't understand why they would do this trade. I mean, I'll okay, explain to you right now. I'll explain to you. I'll explain to you if you, if you, if you let me. Um, the reason why is because Alfred Payton is the worst starting point guard in the, um, in the NBA and the Knicks rookie Emmanuel quickly is a scoring point guard. Derek Rose historically is a store is a scoring point guard. Uh, uh, D Rose could be a great mentor for quickly and also be a viable starting option. If quickly, isn't going to start because Alfred Payton has proven that he should be cut and maybe he'd be a part of the trade, but I actually heard something, um, uh, from like a Detroit reporter that of the players on the Knicks that could be eligible to be traded, the young guys, meaning Frank Nilakina, Dennis Smith Jr., they're high on Dennis Smith Jr. I could not give you one good reason why the Pistons like Dennis Smith Jr., but if they isn't, do, I wouldn't be surprised if the, the uh, isn't he going to play in the yeah, but he's on an NBA well, contract, so that doesn't mean he can't be traded. So you know. If if they want Dennis Smith Jr. and two second round picks, I'm doing that immediately because, I mean, Derrick Rose, he's going to be a free agent, but I mean, there there's no better place. And the Knicks have an insane amount of cap room. They could give him a nice little contract. So uh, I think the Knicks would be a decent fit for D-Rose. I mean, yeah, I think that would be I, – what you explained there makes sense. I just don't – I don't think that the Knicks would trade for Derrick Rose just for the fact that he could be a mentor for Emmanuel quickly. I don't think – for that sole reason, they would do that trade. I mean, it, that's not the sole that, reason. It's just a benefit. Yeah. I mean, if they did that trade, it would make sense for him to mentor uh, Emmanuel quickly, but I mean, they're not, they're not going to be a playoff contender this year or probably not next year either. I mean, they, I mean, they, they have assets and cap room to sign and trade. I know. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. They have that every I, year. They have lots of draft <laughs> capital. No, that's not true, but Actually, they never have a smart person running uh, the basketball team. They actually have a smart person running the basketball team this time. But so we'll I just, 
I mean, they could give up, like you said, Frank Nantokinia or DSJ for, and a couple picks and, and sneak in Alfred Payton there um, to kind of just get uh, to get D Rose. I just, for me at least, I feel like they want to build with their young assets and maybe getting Derrick Rose and maybe giving away Frank Nantokinia or DSJ, who still do have a little bit of potential. They haven't gotten their full chance. Uh, I just, I, for me at least, the Knicks don't seem like the best option uh, for D-Rose right now. All right. Now that we've talked about our potential trade candidates for this uh, season, we're going to be talking about the Brooklyn Nets, and they just suffered a very bad loss to the Washington Wizards, as we mentioned earlier in the podcast. And the question I want to bring up to you guys is, should we be worried about the Nets, maybe whether it's coming out of the East, especially about their defense. So Campbell, uh, I know you wanted to talk about this. So what do you think about the Nets? What do you have to say about them? Uh, yeah, before uh, we dive completely into this, I'll give a quick like minute recap of this uh, really eventful game. This was a really high scoring game. The Wizards came out on top 149 to 146. Uh the Nets went up 31 to 13 in the first, and it was looking like their defense was playing pretty well. They gave up 13 points over a like six minute period, and they were looking okay on defense. And then, as I said, they went on to give up 149 points. And really, the Nets' whole team played really well offensively. They had Kevin Durant with 37, Joe Harris made eight threes. Kyrie Irving put up 26. Like their team played well. They shot 52% from three and they still lost the game. They let Westbrook put up 41. Bradley Beal put up 37. And they showed it wasn't like the Wizards were on fire or anything. They were just playing regular Wizards basketball. And the Nets defense was looking. Oh, excuse me. I do. That is the box score. Not sure why that came on right then. But uh, regardless, the Nets defense is looking really, really bad. And the Wizards just beat them, putting up 149 points. And as we all know, once the playoffs come around, like defenses really start to lock up and you're seeing the best defense a team can play. And if you don't have a good defense to show to other teams, like the Lakers in the finals, if you're the Nets, or even teams in the Eastern Conference like the Celtics or the 76ers or someone like that, you're going to have trouble if you can't play defense. And when you're giving, if you give up 125 points in a playoff game, you're probably losing that game. So I think it might be trouble for the Nets. Um, I think to what you're saying, uh, I just saw a stat that said that the Nets have the highest offensive rating in the NBA right now. And if the season ends day, it would be the highest offensive rating in a season ever. And they have the lowest defensive rating in the NBA. And if the season ended today, it would be the lowest defensive rating ever. It just shows their difference from the offensive side of the ball to their defensive side of the ball. If they they need to improve their uh, defensive side of the ball against a team like, for example, the Bucks, who's a good offensive team, or the Celtics, that's a good aff- offensive team, and the Sixers, who's a good offensive team and also a good defensive team, along with the Heat, who's a good def- defensive team, and the Celtics, who aren't a terrible defensive team, and the Bucks, who are a pretty good defensive team. So if they want to win this Eastern Conference and beat the Lakers in the finals or the Clippers in the finals. I mean, they need, they need to improve their defense. And uh, of course they didn't have James Harden. I think they, if they probably had James Harden today, they probably would have won this game. Cause uh, yeah, I think he probably would have affected this game to give them the win, but he wouldn't have done anything for them on the defensive side of the ball. They probably would have given around this many points regardless. So the fact that they gave up, gave up this many points around 150 points to a wizards team that is four and 12. I mean, are you, are you kidding? Like, this team, I, I, they're arguably one of the best offensive teams of all time, and probably the one one of the worst defensive teams of all time. So I mean, I this it's it's going to be a roller coaster throughout the season. If they can improve their defensive side of the ball, I don't know if anyone can beat them, but they got to do that first because obviously they're going to score a lot of points per night. They just they got to give up less points than they score. So yeah. Yeah, when they play against um, elite defenses um, that don't give up, 
that aren't the worst defensive team in the league. In the I mean, the I mean, it was a battle between the two worst defensive teams, the Wizards and the Nets. When the Nets play against a playoff team like the Bucks or the Sixers or the Pacers or the Heat that actually are a good defense, like they're not going to be able to drop 147 points uh, per game. And so if they're giving up 140 points, then they're not going far. So they definitely need that. But, you know, one thing, this is, I don't want to like be offensive to Steve Nash because I think he's a great player, definitely Hall of Famer. If he's not already in the Hall of Fame, I'm not 100% sure, but he's not looking like he knows how to coach a basketball team. I'm just going to say it right now. They're, they don't have any offensive plays or any offensive sets. Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant just run around, passing and cutting, screening away, pick and roll, ISO 50% of the offense. And yeah, they're scoring, but that's not viable in a seven-game playoff series. And the fact that they also have no defensive principles. Sometimes they're switching. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes they help on off of threes. Sometimes they don't help off of threes. You know, sometimes they pack the paint. And then other times they're just literally no one there to rebound the ball. And they give up offensive rebounds. And they also turn the ball over a lot. Um, they're careless with the ball. Uh, one thing James Harden, uh, which has kind of been a knack on James Harden his entire career, that he turns the ball over a lot. Um, but, yeah, they're just not good defensively. And in my opinion, they're not very well coached, or at least it doesn't look like they're very well coached because especially on offense, like when Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, ISO and make a shot, sometimes it makes it look like what they're doing. But when they miss a shot and everyone's just standing around, it just, it makes it look like they're just playing like rec basketball. Like they don't, it doesn't seem like they really have any offensive schemes like in place. Um, you know, a lot of people try to hate on Steve Kerr and people say that he's not a good coach, but he actually had a system in place. He had sets when he had Steph and Clay and KD, and that's why their offense was so unstoppable. And KD's not even a bad defender, and Kyrie Irving's not a good defender, but he's capable of playing defense. And Harden in the playoffs showed that he's capable of playing defense. And I know maybe not every game that they'll play defense, but when you're giving up 150 points to a team that's 4-11, and 11, that's just unacceptable. Adding to what you're saying about Steve Nash, in his defense, I mean, he is three of the best, three of the best ISO offensive players of all time. I mean, like, obviously he can put sets in place and put schemes in place and run all these different plays and stuff. But like, when you have James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant on the same team, there's not much you can do to coach them because I mean, what what they can take they they can get open shots on their own basically whenever they want. So them three working together on the same team is something that is definitely difficult than it seems to coach more that difficult is, than it seems. That is definitely true. And I think that the nets, if you look at all the teams, it's probably the hardest team to coach because of what you just mentioned, having three guys that score so much on isolation plays. But if you think about it, Tyler, when one of them's isolating, like for example, if Kyrie Irving's isolating, you have four players standing still, their offensive step is stagnant. Everyone else is disengaged from the play. You know, you know why the Warriors offense was so unstoppable? Everyone's moving, running around. They actually run like sets uh, and schemes like, you know, back screens and they they make cuts. I mean, to be honest, yeah. Joe Harris, I think, doesn't get enough credit for the screens he sets. And he's a great three-point shooter, obviously, but he also plays defense. But he's I always see him out there like running around, passing, cutting. But like DeAndre Jordan just stands at the elbow and just like runs back and forth, elbow to elbow setting screens. Um and they just ISO and it looks good when they make shots, but when they miss, it just looks terrible. Um, they, they don't like, they don't, they eventually they're going to have to run plays when they play against a team that scores consistently in, in, in a playoff series, they will have to run a play. They can't just give the ball to Kyrie, give the ball to James Harden, give the ball to Kevin Durant and just let them go one-on-one because they might drop 140 points, but they also might lose the game in that scenario. Um, and I think that's the reason why the Houston Rockets haven't won anywhere is because James Harden, plays ISO, everyone's disengaged, everyone's stagnant. So if James Harden ISOs and he can't make a shot, no one's ready to make a shot because they're just standing there assuming that he's going to ISO and shoot it. So you you kind of want to have your entire team engaged and you want to have some movement so you're harder to guard because individually, they're not hard to guard, but as a team, they're easy to guard. If they have one guy, um, if they have like Kyrie Irving ISOing on the right wing, and then they have four guys on the left side. It's so easy to double team and guard that because you have four guys on the same side right next to each other with three defenders. It's so cluttered. There's no space. Um, so it's really easy to guard as a team. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 
no offense to Steve Nash, but I think he definitely has to put something in place to get some more movement um, and uh, get that team, you know, some little more offensive flow. Yeah, I'm going to quickly say my take on the Brooklyn Nets as you guys covered a lot of what's gone on in their season so far. Um, I am worried about the Brooklyn Nets, especially on the defensive side. I believe they have three open roster spots, uh, which they can use to sign free agents or two now. Because they signed Iman Shumpert. Okay, that's what I was going to talk about because I think that Iman Shumpert, obviously, Andrew, you're very familiar with him. Uh, I think most of us are because I'm a huge LeBron fan, so I was very familiar uh, when he was on the Cavs. Uh, He brings a lot of perimeter defense to the table. And uh, I think that uh, it was a rumor that they were going to try and look at a trade for JaVale McGee, who doesn't even have a role on the Cavaliers anymore, as they just brought in Jared Allen, who was just traded from the Nets. Uh, which is part of a reason why their defense is so bad because he's one of the best rim protectors in the NBA. And they not only do they need rim protecting because DeAndre Jordan isn't as agile and fast as he once was in his Lob City days, but they also need perimeter defense because Kyrie Irving, I believe he said in his post-game interview, like he couldn't guard a stick today or something like that. Um, and obviously James Harden, he's him and Kevin Durant, especially those two are improved defenders over their careers. But I think it'll uh, come with time. Their defense will get better with time, but I'm definitely going to need to see more from their bench, especially. I know Joe Harris is putting in all of his effort to get around those screens and play a lo- uh, play lockdown perimeter defense. I need to see more from guys they traded for Landry Shamit, who they trade they traded their first round pick to get him, and he hasn't done anything really. Um, I need to see more from Bruce Brown too. I know you can't expect much from these guys as they're. They wouldn't, they'd barely crack a rotation on many uh, other teams in the NBA. But uh, Bruce Brown, they traded for him the first trade of the offseason. And he's known as a perimeter, uh, uh, he's known as a defensive minded point guard, and he can't defend anything. So I think they really need to use those last uh, two uh, spots on their uh, team to figure something out. I, I, I don't know if this is possible, maybe signing someone like Tyson. Tyson Chandler, who brings room, he might be a little too old for them to sign. I know he's in the NBA last year, but someone who can, uh, I think they need to sign a center if they're not going to trade for someone like JaVale, or they need us, and they definitely need to get someone who plays good perimeter defense. And they did that in Iman Shumpert. So hopefully they can uh, get their act together by signing two guys. Tyler, do you have anything to say? Yeah. Uh, there have been rumors that they're going to get Andre Drummond from a buyout, uh, that the Cavs are going to buy out, buy him out. I think that it is close to zero that that happens. I might have just uh, – I'm sorry, guys, if that happens. That might make the Nets over the top but because uh, he's a good defender. I mean, he, he's a, he's a, he's a good shot blocker. Just, just knock on wood right now. <laughs> so that, they would, that, would be, that would make them very, very dangerous. But um, adding to what uh, we were saying about the big three before um, – Obviously, James Harden didn't play against the Wizards, but against the Wizards, I think KD had mid-30s, Kyrie had mid-20s, Jeff Green had mid-20s, and Joe Harris had mid-20s. That makes up for just under under 100 points in the 90s. That means that the rest of the players that played today, those were four players I just mentioned. The rest of the players on their team had, like, what, 40 or 50 points in the game? All of them combined had 40 or 50 points. DeAndre Jordan had like eight, which puts them over 100. So then their whole bench had like 40 points. I mean, obviously that's probably around, yeah, that's around league league average. That's good for a bench. 40 bench points is better than anything. Now that I'm thinking that, think about that. That's that's not a bad bench, especially for a Nets team whose backup point guard is like, I don't know, Chris Chioza or something. Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown. But uh, um, I mean, they need to, they need to sign some people onto their bench because they can't have – when James Harden gets back and Joe Harris and Jeff Green don't put up tw- in the mid-20s consistently or really at all, their bench is probably going to need to score around 40 or 50 a game if they want to contend with good teams. Because, I mean, other than other than Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and uh, James Harden, I mean, they don't really have another score other than really Joe Harris who they can consistently get more than 10 out of consistently because I don't, I wouldn't say DeAndre Jordan or Jeff Green can. So, I mean, if they can get a couple more players, uh, potentially signing JaVale McGee to be their starting center and push DeAndre Jordan to the bench. I mean, yeah, they can, I think they can do uh, maybe sign two good players with their uh, two remaining roster spots. I don't know if they can with cash base, but we'll see. 
yeah, Dean, I think we're moving on to Shot Clock now. All right. So, uh, as all of our loyal uh, listeners slash viewers know, we have a traditional segment at the end of each episode called the Shot Clock segment. And uh, so we're just going to get right into it because I assume all of our viewers know what this is. So, I believe the Shot Clock question is, when I was speaking, you guys were saying what it is in the chat. So, is it will the Mavs... Okay, you can you can. Present. Um, if I'm correct, Andrew, I think we're doing shot clock. Is are the Mavs going to win a playoff series, or are they going to be a top five seed? Uh, just will they be able to make it out of the first round and win a playoff? Okay, series? Okay, so will the Dallas Mavericks be able to win a playoff series? Will they make it into the second round of the Western Conference playoffs? All right. So now that so now that everyone is aware of the question, I'm going to get my timer out. And you know what, Tyler, we'll start with you since you're already unmuted. So, Tyler, uh, you have 24 seconds on the clock. Ready? Begin. Okay, so for now, I'm going to say no. They could potentially make a trade, maybe get a Zach Levine. uh, Andrew said they could potentially get a Bradley Beal. I don't think they will, but I think Zach Levine is definitely more realistic. Um, Christoph Porzingis is not showing he can be the second option on a contending team right now. He's not playing very well. Luka Doncic is having to do all the heavy loading on his own, and they don't really have very much shooting other than him. So, I mean, they could potentially make it out of the first round, but right now they're not even looking like a top five seed, top six seed in the Western Conference, maybe even a playoff team. So, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I can get around that because I thought I was very high on the Mavericks this season, so I can definitely agree with what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, so was I. It's kind of frustrating that what are they, ten seed, eleven seed right now? I mean, that's they're on a five game losing streak. I will inform you if my shot clock was seed there. And all right, Andrew. Now that uh, it seems like you have a very compelling argument brewing up, you're next. So twenty four seconds on the clock. Ready? Begin. Well. As being someone who would love to see the Mavs finish with the, the least amount of wins possible, um, yeah, uh, I'm pretty happy. They're 8-12, and 12, 13th overall seed in the West. Uh, they're not doing too well. Five-game losing streak, as Dean said. There's no chance that they're going to beat any of the top teams, Lakers, Clippers, Jazz, Nuggets, Suns, Blazers. I'm taking all those teams over the Mavs. Um, so, yeah, I don't think they make it out of the first round. All right, Campbell, uh, you are second to last person who's going to be doing the shot clock. 24 seconds on the clock. Ready, begin. Uh, You know, I'm going to disagree with Tyler and Andrew. Of course, if the Mavericks finish as the eight seed, they're not going to beat the Lakers, Clippers, whoever's the one seed. But uh, if they can get up there to like five or six, I'm going to take the Mavericks to win that to win that series. I think Luka Doncic is just too good. Christoph Porzingis is still trying to get his legs back. He's only played nine games this season. And uh, overall, Luka's just going to will that team to one playoff series victory at least. Okay. I would love to see them uh, actually. I mean, I want them to lose games, but I think it'd be way more compelling for them to get to like a four, five, even six seed because then they have a actually good chance of winning a playoff series. Um, but if Porzingis isn't a viable number two option, then they're not going anywhere. I, I, I think a playoff series, if like the the uh the Mavs end up being like the five or six eight against maybe the Nuggets or the Jazz, I mean that would be a very compelling series because like a Donovan Mitchell versus Luca, I mean that would be such a cool matchup to watch. Okay, uh, Dean. We will be. I will be timing you now. Twenty-four seconds on the clock, starting now. All right. So I have a wishy-washy answer right here because it depends what seed the Mavericks are in order for them to advance to the second round of the playoffs, at least. So uh, if they're playing a team like the Jazz, the Nuggets, some team in that round, the Portland Trailblazers, I do think they're capable of winning a playoff series. But since they're the 13th seed in the Western Conference right now, it's looking like they barely slip in, play the Lakers, Clippers, Jazz first round. I don't know if I take them over those teams. So I'm going to go with no right now, but it depends on the seeding for me. So I definitely think they're capable. I think that the Mavs' uh, biggest mistake so far this season was trading away Seth Curry. He was their probably their best shooter last year. I mean, he's having he's shooting the ball very well this year. I think, see the number one three-point shooter right now in the league? I don't know. He's up there top five I think but uh he's playing really well for the 76ers in return they got Josh Richardson who um he's been hurt he's been not efficient I mean he's not been playing well for them so far I mean oh he could always ramp it up but you know what if the the Mavs if the Mavs get hot because of course they can with Luka Doncic just being an MVP candidate Kristaps Porzingis like Campbell said can ramp it up and uh become become a viable uh number two option this team could definitely win a playoff series 
yeah, I think it's all about the positioning and what seed they are because I think they're very capable of beating many of the tier two teams, so to say, in the Western Conference, like excluding, in my opinion, I think they're two real contenders, Lakers, Clippers, but I think they're definitely capable of beating any of those tier two teams, like the Nuggets, the Jazz, teams like that, the Blazers, you know what I mean? I mean, they did get down with the Clippers in the playoffs last year. Granted, it wasn't the same roster, but a lot of the players were the same. So, and remember, they, Kristaps Porzingis got hurt in that series. It, if he stayed healthy, you never know. They, I mean, they could have won the series. They, Luka hit that uh, clutch shot while Porzingis is out and to send it to a, what was it, a game six? So, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. So, I mean, you never know. They can get hot and contend with maybe some of the top teams. Yeah, before we go to the outro, I just want to say I was very convinced that the Mavericks would have won that series if Kristaps hadn't got ejected wrongfully in game one and not gotten injured later in the series. If he if Porzingis plays like a viable two option, if he plays like his all-star self, and he showed signs that he could in, in that playoff series, he was super impactful, then yeah, um, the Mavs could definitely compete in a playoff series. All right, so I think that's enough chatter for this episode. Make sure you follow us on all social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok at AT Buzzer Podcast. We're posting all of our episodes, the video form on YouTube. So make sure you go subscribe to us there. Make sure you're following us on Spotify, any uh, iTunes, whatever you listen to our podcasts on. And we'll see you next week.